episode five of Zach and Perry Make a Podcast. I am Perry. And I'm Zach. And we're going to get started with uh, some quick, like, what are we watching right now? What are we, uh, well, what are we watching, reading, listening, playing, whatever, um, whatever mm-hmm. it is we're doing right now in terms of entertainment. Yeah. So. How are we keeping busy? Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll start, uh, last couple, after, it was literally the day after we made our last episode, um, I watched, I watched two movies back to back. I was really bored one day. Um, mm-hmm. and I watched two movies back to back and I watched Rocket Man, which came out last year. What is that? Is that the Elton John movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And I thought it was fantastic. Like, I thought it was really cool the way they integrated, like, the music. It was very, like, artistic. And so, like, it wasn't, there wasn't a lot of, like, um, real, like, so Bohemian Rhapsody is more, like, realistic in the way that they, like, tell the story. There's not, it's not, like, a musical, like. It's like a, like a narrative kind of thing. Right, exactly. It's telling a story. Whereas, yeah. uh, Rocket Man, like, is, like, a musical, like, the music is played like while he's doing stuff he sings the songs while they mean something like in the like while he's living his life kind of thing mm-hmm. but yeah i thought taron edgerson was awesome as ellen john he sang pretty much i think he sang all the songs which is really cool because you don't is he see also that a, a singer i think now he is <laughs> like i don't think it was like uh i don't necessarily think it was a thing beforehand maybe he was when he was like younger that's, that's or a whatever. thing like um Whatchamacallit, uh, in like High School Musical, they had Zach Efron. Oh, Zach Efron. But yeah, they had yeah, him yeah. like lip singing. Oh, yeah, for the first one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then he got like lessons for the second one and the third one. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, fuck <laughs> you, I learned how to sing. Yeah. Um, did they do the same thing with Bohemian Rhapsody? Like, was that guy, is that his actual voice? Yeah. No. So Rami Malik was not singing. He read, like, people were kind of uh, thinking he was going to. Mm hmm. But there's there's no way you can't. I mean, you can't really pull that off. No, if you're not like a born like crazy singer, you can't sing like. That's Freddie a lot a lot of talent to put into one human being to yeah. be able to sing <laughs> that well and act. Yeah, at the same exactly. Time. Well, and like to like to high, like it, it's it's something that you have to like teach yourself over years to be able to sing like somebody like that. Mm-hmm. Um, especially the crazy range that. Uh, that Freddie Mercury had and stuff. It's just, it's too much. So what they had is there was a guy, um, there's a guy that's really popular on YouTube. I can't remember what his name is off the top of my head. Um, but he sounds like almost just like Freddie Mercury. Really? So what they did is they recorded his voice mixed with like different live versions of Freddie Mercury. Mm -hmm. Um, and those kind of like mixed together a little bit to form what you hear in, uh, in the movie. So, that is amazing. It's it it's incredible, like the kind of work that they did for that movie. It's not necessarily my favorite like biopic. Um, I think it's a really good movie, but they changed some like history and stuff, but um, like time okay. timeline stuff. But it's not like a crazy big deal. It just I that stuff can kind of bother me sometimes. That somebody like myself that had no idea who Freddie Mercury really even was like, <laughs> probably walked out with a better idea afterwards. For sure, and like they yeah. probably got some stuff wrong, but yeah. You know. And like the biggest uh, thing about that is just basically that they were they were just trying to tell like a good story about somebody that like because the band was a big part of the, making that movie, mm, okay. and so I think they wanted to just like honor like the memory of Freddie instead of yeah. like trying to like. So it wasn't like historical like that wasn't the purpose of it right it was, it was just, just like to a like, commemoration of I, their... I think so yeah yeah I think it was more about like talking about like Freddie Mercury as like a person and like trying to get like who he actually was mm-hmm. than like trying to uh, like tell you every single detail which is fine like that's 
like some stories do that some stories don't so right. whereas like the Ellen John one and I think it helps that like Ellen John is alive and Freddie Mercury's not that mm-hmm. Ellen John can like sit there and go yeah tell them tell them everything about me kind of thing <laughs> where <laughs> Freddie's kind of like can't do that so the band is kind of like yeah they're kind of like going out on a limb and like right. speaking for him for right. what he would say is okay or not right and I think right. they just went with like the good stuff but yeah yeah, so then I went, and then the next movie I watched was a True Grit, which is a remake um, of John Wayne True Grit, which came out uh, I have that, years and years ago. I have that on my list for some reason. I don't know why. I don't know how it got there, but, uh, <laughs> but tell me about this movie that I'm supposed to watch. Yeah, True Grit is awesome. The, the original is really good, too. Like, if you're going to... Um, I would say if you're going to if you're gonna watch the new one, watch the old one, too, because they're it's just a good movie like it, yeah. it you can definitely tell like the age with the old one because it was made i think in the early 60s um, oh that's gonna be tough for me oh uh, you're, you're one of those people who can't watch the old movies it's not that i can't it's just <laughs> that i don't like them <laughs> that's fair yeah it's not quite as uh it's not really my thing yeah i got you no and, and like it's the thing with me too is i i my dad uh my dad and i used to watch like the old westerns mm-hmm. like when i was a kid okay. so i just grew up like seeing old movies so I never really like I just grew up with it I guess more in, than mm. maybe the average person so that stuff doesn't necessarily bother me um, but yeah the new one is really good too uh, it's got like Jeff Bridges um, mm. it's got Matt Damon um, Haley uh, Steinfeld is really good she was in uh, I have no idea who that is she is she's a little I think she's our age so she's pretty young um, but she was like a teenage actor. Like she started in her teens and stuff, but she's been really good. Uh, she was in, Oh, what was it? It was a, there, it was like a coming of age, uh, movie. And I can't remember what the movie is off the top of my head. Actually. Wait, Come on, Perry. I know. I know. Come on. <laughs> Our fans are on the edge of their <laughs> seat right now. Oh, <laughs> you say edge. Uh, the edge of 17 is what it's called. Um, when she was really good in that she's awesome in that um and then she was just in the most recent like transformers movie that they made bumblebee which is okay. better than all the other transformers movies by is it the way really? yes oh yeah oh interesting it takes like the actual characteristics of like what made transformers so great like with the cartoons and the action figures and stuff and just what, like actually what did make it so great back then because it's I don't like kind of the campiness of it like the corniness like mm-hmm. the colorful robots where when uh when uh <laughs> I can't remember the director uh who made the the transform Michael Bay <laughs> yeah. uh when he made those he made them like he he was just trying to make like explosions and like he wanted to watch Megan Fox run in slow motion and all that shit well he made a lot of money doing it yeah. so <laughs> he <laughs> had the right also, idea that's also fair uh, <laughs> but as those movies progressed it was obvious that there was he didn't like create a depth in depth universe based around the movies he just did the action and then tried to create a story just, like, along really the way pretty yeah yeah and the cgi in those watch. movies cgi in those movies are years ahead of their time it's insane like mm-hmm. the robots like transforming and all that stuff mm-hmm. like it's a, so vividly detailed it's incredible it's incredible yeah. it's incredible it's, it's crazy but the story lacks because it's michael bay and michael bay doesn't really make a good story movie yeah. he makes a good action movie um yeah fair enough but yeah so that's but other than that, yep, True Grit, right. great, had yep. a lot of fun watching it. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go into one yeah. because 
it kind of ties into like Rocket Man and Bohemian Rhapsody. I watched the Michael Jordan documentary mm. on Netflix. Yeah. And I did not realize it was ten episodes going into it. Uh, it was yeah. it was a, it was a long series. Yeah, yeah. And I thought it was excellent. Yeah. Well, almost excellent. <laughs> I, I walked away very glad that I watched it. Yeah. Of course, I have critiques because that's what we do. Yeah. Um, they started with like the the last season. Yeah, yeah. And then they would flash back to earlier seasons, and then they'd cut to like maybe a couple games in the current season, and then a flashback to another. So it was all like broken up. Right. So like the the old seasons were chronological, but the most recent one was just like scattered throughout the whole series so right, like by right. the end of it i was ready for like the final season but they had already covered 90 percent of it like in between <laughs> right, right, right yeah also it was really really good but they did not disclose that michael jordan's production company was like co-producers of it right so if you walk away thinking it was like super historical and that they kind of included everything like no no, no. right um who's the the guy that makes a lot of good documentaries uh, Ken, Ken something. Oh, Ken Burns. Ken, Ken Burns. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he said that it wasn't, wasn't really how he does like movies and definitely not how he does history. Something along, I'm mm. paraphrasing something along those lines. Yeah. yeah. So they, they caught some shit for that, but hmm. still really informative. Yeah. They, they dove in a little bit into Michael Jordan's like gambling and stuff. Right, yeah. and like how much of an asshole he was, but right. of course Jordan got like the final say. <laughs> right, on it. right, right. But for somebody that doesn't watch basketball ever, I feel like, well, I feel like I could probably play at this point. Playing the NBA, yeah. After watching a good documentary, ten series, <laughs> ten episode series. Mm-hmm. After sitting on my couch for ten hours straight. Yeah, yeah I can. Ready for now. the NBA, yeah. Um, so yeah, that, yeah, I watched a few of the episodes. I haven't finished all of them because before I watched it, I heard that it wasn't like what like the full thing, mm-hmm. and that kind of was like uh, you know like it just gives you that like ah. Uh. But then I'm like oh, I should watch it anyway because I think it'd be interesting anyway. But I mm-hmm. just don't have like the motivation to like sit down and watch the whole thing. Yeah, because of the fact that it's like Michael Jordan's production company made it. He had like more say very biased right yeah so which is fine but at the same time it just takes away like the excitement a little bit for Mm -hmm. me but other than that yeah Yeah. um another thing that i was what i i went back and i rewatched all the marvel movies like that all the way up until like Endgame. You say that so casually but that's like a month (laughs) of your life (laughs) well to be fair to be fair um I started in like March and then got like halfway through and then just finished up the second half of it a couple days ago. Okay. So it was, it was over the course of a few months that I was like doing this, but they're, they're not, I won't say they're not as good as I remember, but I think I'm starting to see like, like the holes a little bit more. The Mm -hmm. more I watch them, I see like, like the, like the holes that are left. Sure. Um, and that they're kind of like repetitive because when you watch things back to back like that, that are essentially like same formula, different skin kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, you start to notice that a little bit more and it's a little less endearing than it is when you wait like eight months in between them. Yeah. You know? If you watch them like 
only in theaters, then you have a much different picture of seeing it like back to back to back. Right. So, and I don't take that away from them. I won't say they're worse than I remember or they're like not great or anything like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, but yeah, so that's like the Marvel movies. So, uh, my next is a marriage story and fuck man, that was hard to watch. (laughs) It was really, really hard to watch. Yeah. Um, I don't want to spoil it, but it is not a happy ending. So, yeah, I am going to spoil it. Uh, so, spoiler alert, yeah. <laughs> yeah, spoiler alert. It's just super emotional, man. It's just, like, so <laughs> so hard to get through. Yeah. Uh, it's just... Dude, they end up having... Well, since I already spoiled it, they end up having two divorce lawyers just airing out all the shit that they didn't say to each other. Mm-hmm. So you get to watch them hear their spouse's side of things for the first time coming from the mouth of, like, a vicious yeah. divorce court lawyer. Yeah. And it's horrible. Yeah. It is probably one of the best acted movies I've watched in, like, the last 10 or 15 years. Easy. They're in, Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson are, like, incredible yeah, dude, the monologue that she does when she's talking to her lawyer for the first time, yeah. where she, like, walks around the room, like, goes into the room, still talking yeah, about yeah, it, yeah, comes yeah. back out. It's all, I'm pretty sure it's all in, like, one cut. It's one take, yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. I don't know how people do that. It's, they're... Dumbfounded. Yeah, and the, the scene where they're arguing in the apartment, and they're just, like, like screaming at each other, and it's, like, this just... Mm-hmm. It's it's incredible. Like, just uh, watching them act as... Dude, like, and then he just, like, breaks down and cries at the end. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. God damn that hurts yeah. so bad <laughs> <laughs> yeah it oh. is one of those movies that you like you have to you have to know if you're not prepared about it before you go into it it can be mm-hmm. like really really gut-wrenching if you're like oh i um, bet this is a romantic comedy no yeah, yeah, no, no it, it is not. not nope not even close and it's like really it's really tough to watch especially because you're like sitting there and you're you're just wanting them to like listen listen to each other and that's like the tough part is like you have these two people Mm -hmm. at like really bad points in their lives personally too and it's affecting like their relationship together and that is like one of those things that like a lot of people don't realize how like true it is until you experience it and like go through those kind of breakups but then it's also like tough because they're married they have a kid like it's and you're watching it unfold and you're watching how it's affecting the kid and like all this like stupid stuff Mm -hmm. that has to go through like to go through just to make sure that they both get like equal custody and like all that shit so it's um but i thought it was it it, to me i like watched it and i like it was just i thought it was really well made i thought the acting was great in it when i watched it but yeah it's really gut-wrenching yep for sure and uh i think that everybody should watch it before they get married (laughs) I'd, i'd recommend that for sure yeah uh because that's a dude that seemed to have it all figured out. Right. And he was trying to be a good dad and make everything work. But just the lack of communication went, you know, the, the whole relationship went south. And I think you can't really walk away from that movie blaming either one or picking yeah. either side. It's too gray all across the board. Yeah. It's just fucking misery. Like, yeah. that's all there is to <laughs> it. Yeah. And that's actually, I did a, I think I did a review on it when I was doing the blog and stuff. Um, 
but that's exactly what I said. I was like, you can't, there's not, uh, there's not a winner and a loser. It's, it's a very like, no, it's just two people. Yeah. And they both have, they're both right. Mm-hmm. And, and they're also the, both wrong. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, uh, it's, it's, it's a really fantastically made movie. Um, fantastic acting, fantastic story. The dialogue is, an, is awesome. Like it, there's nothing like unnatural about it. Like, no, you get just immersed in it the entire right. time. And there is nothing yeah, that made me like a lot of it. Right. I know we've been talking about this for a while, but also like the scene that probably got me the most was mm-hmm. when they first met in the lawyers together mm-hmm. and they were trying to order food afterwards. Yeah. And Adam Driver just was stunned by everything that was said and like yeah. couldn't think of anything. Right. And then his wife, after having her divorce lawyer rip him apart. Yeah. orders food for him right and just oh god yeah, yeah kills me yeah well because it's like you're like sitting there you're like oh my god you're like these people are trying to get divorced they obviously are like at odds with each other right now mm-hmm. um but they still know each other almost completely and mm-hmm. still care but yes. they're like taking their own care before the care of the other person and you can like see how that like you can tell how painful it is for yeah. Scarlett Johansson to be doing all this in the oh, first yeah, place. Oh, yeah, for sure. Too. Yeah. They're, yeah, there's victims. They're just all... They're all victims. Right. Oh, it's awful. <laughs> it's a great movie, though. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> Love it. Um, actually, I just started watching it today. Uh, the next thing that I'm talking about, uh, The Umbrella Academy. Mm, my sister um, likes that a lot. It's great. The first season was pretty good. Like, I liked it. Um, I like was kind of like yeah that was pretty good like kind of like b plus kind of thing um the second season so much better than the first and the first was already pretty good so the second season like i literally have watched it's 10 episodes i'm eight episodes in all today oh goddamn yeah all today oh wow i thought i I was busy but no yeah like i was literally just watching it just it started yeah it started and i just couldn't like stop because like right now i'm like itching to go back and watch it like oh yeah all right yeah i get it yeah (laughs) um but yeah so like if you're if you haven't started watching it uh go like watch us on netflix um the first season is i like the first season a lot and the second season is even better and i i also fun fact about it the it's based on comic series okay um the guy who writes it or one of the two people that like have the like write the comics um is gerard way the lead singer of my chemical romance so would not have pegged him for a comic book guy right yeah or at least not an like an author like yeah now because now it's like a television hit kind of thing like or a netflix hit you know wow so he's a he's got that multi he's also fun fact number two he's cousins (laughs) with joe rogan what yeah really (laughs) yeah Fuck, but the amount of Joe Rogan I've watched, you'd pick that now. <laughs> yeah, huh. I think he talks about he talked about it in. Uh, I was just listening to one a few few days ago or something, mm-hmm. and he talked about it. he mentioned it because I was like, huh, I was like, that's a weird, weird connection. Yeah, yeah, because they're they like they don't. I, I, I guess I just never like would have put two and two together. He also said they'd never met before. Really? Yeah, they're cousins. They never met before. Which is kind of funny now, too, because you would think, like, even if they didn't meet as kids, now that they're both, like, pretty popular, Mm -hmm. famous people, like... Yeah, I wonder what they had, like, what relative they had in common. Yeah. I don't know. know. But, yeah, so it's 
fun fact about that. But yep. yeah, so I think you're up with your uh, next one. Oh, the social network. Yeah, that one freaked me out. Um, <laughs> I don't know how accurate it is. I yeah, the way that they portrayed him is just awful. Yeah, awful. He's a terrible person. Right. Uh, Facebook was this website made to rape girls, and he's just a just a shitty, shitty person. <laughs> he like fucks over everybody that he meets, basically. Yep. Um, it was really good. It was Jesse Eisenberg, and yeah. I haven't seen a lot of his movies, but I like him and everything yeah. that I do. Yeah. So I gotta start watching. Gotta start watching more. You gotta go watch uh, the Art of Self Defense. Never even heard of it. It's a dark comedy. Yeah, it was like a. It's not a, like a mainstream thing. I think it's on Hulu hmm. or Amazon Prime. It's a dark comedy. Gotcha. You gotta watch it. I watched one with him talking to David Foster Wallace for a while. Mm. I don't remember what the name of it was, but he was also pretty good in that. He's really good at playing agitated, like just squirrely <laughs> yeah. type people. Agitated geek, nerd, whatever you want yeah. to write it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's typecasted a lot. For sure. But the social network was good. Yeah. I had no idea how Facebook was made, so that was like really it was a good, like dramatic movie, but also super informative. Yeah. So Well and what's funny too is like you look at what's happened with Facebook now, um, mm-hmm. with like them selling everybody's information to like you y- you almost think that the movie should have been made now mm-hmm. because it's almost more interesting than how it got made. <laughs> is how like the legal battles that he's going through now, you right. would think are like the fact that he was like speaking in front of like the government mm-hmm. about maybe breaking like huge privacy laws and now you're like well who cares how it's created now he's like selling everybody's information and it's like yeah uh, i would like an up-to-date documentary yeah. on facebook <laughs> it's really hard to keep up with everything that's going on somebody call up jesse eisenberg <laughs> yeah. get him yeah. get him with that weird haircut again for sure um and then you got uh, another one fight wanna... club yeah fight club what a classic yep that i don't totally understand <laughs> it's so like deep and meaningful and I, yeah. I'm not totally there yet I mean I know it's fighting against materialism and like right. consumerism sure. and just like living your own life mm-hmm. but I don't know man yeah it's 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 one of those movies I, I like the twist better than the actual like fight against co- consumerism like aspect of it mm-hmm. like I think that's fine and that's like got it's got its battle to pick but i think the twist at the end um is a lot to me that's better storytelling than the actual story based in like the fight against like yeah consumerism. That's, a, that's a good point the yeah. twist is obviously like the biggest part of the movie of right, course right right and seeing how all the little clues that they leave leading yeah, up to yeah, it yeah, is yeah. really cool watching it for a second time after you know is really cool too because you start to see like what he left behind for you to like notice those things for sure I feel like there's a deeper meaning to it, but even without really understanding the deeper meaning behind it, it was still, I thought, a good movie. I was still really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, it's fun to watch. Edward Norton, obviously, is really good. Brad yeah. Pitt, of course, great right. actor. <laughs> and just, like, the grimy aesthetic to it was just really well done. I yeah. thought really uh, felt like I was living in that house for a little while. Yeah, it definitely has, like, a certain aesthetic that it sticks to, and it mm-hmm. does it well. For sure. Um, the last thing I can say that I'm watching, I forgot to write it down, but um, I've been trying to get through uh, The Last of Us, not part two, but part one. Well, 
not called part one, but mm-hmm. it is part one. Right. Um, I have to get through that. Um, but because I really want to play part two, I'm having a really hard time. Like, I'm not like so much about like the the spooky like on the edge of your seat the entire time you're playing a games. Those take oh, me a while to no. get through because I'm like, it's not that I'm like scared. It's just that like when I play video games, I'm there to relax. And when I'm not relaxed, it makes it less, like, enticing for me to go play it. Like, if I'm like, ah, oh, it's been a long day. I really want to, like, lounge and play some games. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, I really wanted to get through The Last of Us, but do I really want to be on edge for the next, like, <laughs> hour yeah, and a half? <laughs> like, you got to be on top of your game for that. Right. <laughs> you can't just play that at the end of a long day. Like, right. Mm, no. Yeah, that's like a... And uh, one of our friends really loves that game. Uh, Alex, Alex yeah. yeah, and he's been trying to get me to finish it, but like at the same time, I almost just want him to like come over and just play it for me <laughs> while I watch, because I'm like, I, I just he like there's there's like certain aspects of video games that I like don't enjoy, mm-hmm. and like crafting things and like having to like collect a bunch of things and craft them and then like then you're out of them and then you have to make more. Mm-hmm. It's something that like it it sometimes works for me and sometimes doesn't. I feel like some people like being sucked into it that much and like the yeah. realism to it, but that doesn't seem to be your your thing. I don't mind this one. It's it's fine in this one. It doesn't get too crazy, mm-hmm. um, especially when it's on an easier difficulty like I'm playing it on. <laughs> um, but there's some games where like it it takes away like everything for me. Like I just can't like I can't absorb uh, or I can't get into like that far into it where it's no longer like relaxing it's like i gotta worry about all this other stuff in a video game Mm -hmm. like i'm like that's not what i'm it's not what i'm playing equipment damage is almost always just a nuisance oh it's the worst yeah that's why i couldn't really get into (laughs) breath of the wild on the switch Mm. is because your shit just gets destroyed instantly Mm. and i kept like losing to this boss and then yeah. all of a sudden like oh hey i'm out of i'm out of everything I yeah go, like start over <laughs> like mm, yeah. no i'm probably just gonna put it down right exactly mm-hmm. you're like uh ah, just spent two hours trying to do this whole quest and then you're like ah, i lost yeah. and everything's gone exactly and i have to do everything over again <laughs> you're like fuck no you know what i got time for that <laughs> yeah well yeah so i think that's the end of what we've kind of been playing kind of been doing um we can move on to some news we can run through this stuff pretty quick. There's nothing too crazy. Like mm-hmm. um, Mulan was delayed indefinitely, which also pushes back because these are all Disney projects. Mm-hmm. Um, pushes back Avatar and the Star Wars projects that they had planned uh, for like another year. Which Avatar, I think he was just begging for something to like, like James Cameron just Does wanted. James Cameron making yeah, it yeah, again? yeah. Yeah, okay. he's got like five more slated. Really? Like each like a year apart from each other, like Avatar movies. Yeah, or... yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, what the fuck? I... Yeah. So like um, he made right. yeah, and I he I think he's way over. I think he promised too much before he was like ready to do it. Okay. Um, bold claims for a man we've never met before. Right. <laughs> um, so I think he's at the point now where he's like, I mean, it's been I think eleven years since the last Avatar came out, so. I don't know. Yeah, I was back Whatever. in middle school, I'm pretty yeah. sure. Yeah, I didn't think it was like 2008. It was like one of the first, not the first 3D movies, but... It was the first where um, like 3D and motion capture were used uh, seamlessly like that. Mm-hmm. So he made it so... Like, when you watch a movie before this, 
generally speaking, 3D comes at you through the screen. Something is coming forward at you, right? Okay. And that's, like, what you get. Like, you get something, like, coming out of the screen, basically. Right, right. So what he started doing differently was he used 3D to give everything more depth. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, so he kind of used it Oh, so you can, like, look into the screen rather than the screen coming at you. Right, so it Ah. gives everything more depth. This this is, like... it's way more enjoyable. Yes. That's why that movie was so crazy, because everybody was like, oh, my gosh, this is beautiful. Like, this landscape is beautiful that he made. And it's like, yeah, because he added a lot more depth like to the actual is there movie. any way for us to watch it in 3d now sure yeah there's, you... i mean there's 3d tvs that oh. aren't really a thing anymore but they were for... i remember that being a bit of a fad yeah <clears throat> not really going anywhere yeah that was yeah that was not i think that lasted like two or three years and then people were like maybe yeah um this is too expensive I think a lot of companies were like, this is way too expensive to... Uh... Yeah, well, 3D movies, nobody really just... Nobody cared. Nobody right. Nobody gave a shit right. about buying a 3D TV. Yeah, no, that's too much. It's a little bit too gimmicky. Sure. I would say. Well, and it's expensive for, like, companies... Because they were talking about doing, like, 3D, uh, like, things for, like, uh, like basketball games, football games, like, sporting events, uh, regular TV shows. But you know how expensive it is to, like, run a camera that's doing 3D? Like, it's actually two different lenses... And so it's like this whole different thing to mm-hmm. like, like have there, and then for you to have the whole like, say you're doing a football game, mm-hmm. you've got the main camera that follows the field like horizontally. Then you've got like your like touchdown cameras. You've got your goal line cameras. You've got your referee cameras. <laughs> like you've got so many things. Like that's that can't be mm-hmm. logistically a good idea. Gotcha. So there's yeah, I think it was just a. Uh, Every, everything idea. we do is weighed against how much money it's going to make. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> or how much it's going to cost versus what you make. Yeah. Yeah. Is the base, but, yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, so everything's delayed. <laughs> um, oh, right. Yeah. Back to what we were talking about. Yeah. So everything's uh, delayed. Uh, Tenant is Tenet. I, I, don't, I don't think anybody knows how it, what it's phonetically. I guess it's Tenet. Well, let's call it. I'm leaning towards Tenet. But there's no N after the E, you know? Or the second E, I should say. Oh, uh, I was thinking about, like, David Tennant's... Yeah. <laughs> oh, all right. Tennant. Tennant is that. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it's one of those uh, forwards-backwards words. It's the same thing, forward and backwards. Palindrome? Palindrome. Yeah, mm-hmm. there it is. Um, but, yeah, so that apparently is opening in 70 countries on August 26th, and then in select cities in the U.S. over Labor Day weekend. That's the plan. It's definitely going to change. There's no way we're going to have movie theaters open in a month. Um, unless something dr- yeah, drastically I changes. I don't see it. So, I don't think we're going to be seeing it in the U.S. for probably a good solid three months, four months. Um, Dude, I can't wait for theaters to be open again. I know. It's the worst. I miss it so much. Yeah. I mean, it's not the worst. There's definitely worse things. But It's it's the worst for us right now. <laughs> <laughs> Which is pretty good, I guess. <laughs> yeah, we're doing all right. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, and so, I mean... What the problem too is that once it opens in like uh, in Europe and stuff, people are just gonna be able to get it illegally mm-hmm. in the U.S. Which for sure, right? So which is I'm, re- gonna, I'm gonna watch it as soon. As which is really bad. Oh yeah, definitely don't don't do, do any that. Of that stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not that the FBI guy is not watching. But like low key, we're we're definitely gonna be reviewing that movie before it comes out. <laughs> Now that the FBI <laughs> agent that's assigned to us is not listening anymore. Um, but yeah, so that's that's Tenet. Tenet, 
whatever. I guess we'll find out. They say it in the movie. Maybe they'll never say it in the movie. Uh, yeah. I'm over it, man. Uh, let's see. <laughs> we got The Witcher. The Witcher prequels. prequels. What's yep. going on with that, my man? Uh, so it's a prequel to what we just uh, watched with The Witcher series with Henry Cavill. Um, there's nothing really about it besides the fact that we know it's going to be the story of the first Witcher. Okay. Um, it's going to take, I think, 1,500 years, take place 1,500 years before, like, uh, Geralt. Mm-hmm. Um, in like the story that we know, generally speaking, um, was the Witcher on Netflix taking place only in the Witcher three or was it based on the comic books? It's based on the books more than okay. the actual video game. So it's not game. a specific game. All right. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's a little more general. Um, I ha- I didn't play anything before Witcher three. Me neither. So I don't know. Yeah. So I don't know what the story is before then. Not qualified. I kind of want to read the books though. The comic books. Or I think they're graphic novels. Yeah, go for it, man. I think that'd be good. Yeah, maybe I'll do that and be a little more educated on it. Sure. Um, but other than that, that's just something to look forward to in terms of like a new Witcher thing. Even though I, I what's weird too is they did one season of The Witcher and then now they're doing a prequel to it. Yeah, I don't know what's up with that. I think they should have done at least two seasons. You think so? I think so. Huh. I mean, as as a person that is not in the business in any way shape or form my opinion is <laughs> that <laughs> they should wait two or three seasons before they do a prequel but hey we can write them a strongly worded letter sure make some suggestions oh yeah yeah but i mean what do i know you know i mean i'm not in that office handing out money you know no but i sure would like to be yeah <laughs> that'd be great um but yeah so that's pretty much all there is to know about that there wasn't any like trailer or anything so it's just Yay, prequel. Cool. Um, the, they had the Comic-Con uh, online virtual stuff past week. Um, nothing really that crazy. Does anybody even go to Comic-Con anymore? Well, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, it's still Can like you? a huge thing. Like in oh, San Diego, okay. like the San Diego Comic-Con. Sure. I it's didn't even m- know where it was. Yeah, it's massive. Um, it's, what? Yeah. Um, but obviously this year they didn't have it. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot that was not announced because companies are now just taking it into their own hands to announce it because mm-hmm. they don't have to announce it on Comic-Con kind of thing. Right. There's um, not like a gathering of the nerds right, this year. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but a few of the things that were announced were Black Suit Superman for the Snyder Cut of Justice League. So um, for those who know the story of like the death of Superman in the comics – when he comes back, he has the black suit and the long hair, which is like something that they left out when they made Justice League. Mm-hmm. Um, fans were kind of pissed, not only because it was a bad movie. Were but you pissed off about that? I wasn't pissed. I was just the whole thing just makes me angry because <laughs> they had one Man of Steel movie, then they did Batman v Superman, and then they killed off Batman and Batman v Superman, and then they had him resurrected the next movie. Yeah, it sounds awful. It's just... Well, and the death of Superman takes place when he's, like, 20 years out of the game, kind of... Or, like, 20 years, like, a veteran of, like, saving people and, like, the Justice League has already been a thing. Like, we don't... There's not that emotional attachment when you've only seen him twice, you know? Mm. Like, there's not that investment, you know? And it's the same thing with having Ben Affleck play a Batman that's been doing Batman things for 25, 30 years. You're like... 
Who is this guy? Yeah, and they show, like, Robin's, like, costume and a glass case, like, signifying that, like, he's the dead Robin. But, like, why do we care? We didn't see the Robin. We don't know the story. Like, for people that don't know, like, Death in the Family comic where Robin dies, Mm -hmm. and they don't understand, like, those... Which is me. I don't understand any of that. Like, it means nothing. Like, you see it, and you're like, oh, I guess a Robin died. So that, that really sucks that the movie that DC put out is supposed to be representative of so much backstory exactly. and none of it comes across. Exactly. Because I did not know that any of that stuff went into it or that right. it was supposed to. And man, that's just like a shame. Yeah. And it's just, it's just a waste of good stories. Mm. That's what it is too. Because you're sitting there you just going burn through all of it. Exactly. And you're like, you're sitting there and you're like, dude, if you just waited like 10 years, like you'd have Henry Cavill, like graying out a little bit and you like, like build up mm-hmm. some emotional tension and then you have Batman come in and he's a little younger then he like they grow up together a little bit like they do some Justice League stuff mm-hmm. and then you have the falling out which causes like the Batman v Superman which happens in the comics and then Batman dies and it's the death of Superman and then you have a few movies without him and then you have him resurrected and that's like that moment right but if yeah, you yeah they should be in it for like the long haul yeah and not just trying to cash out they just right tried now. it to like like throw whatever like good comic they had and like try to make that uh make it into a movie and it just ugh, such a shame damn yep. you can't see me but i'm <laughs> crying right now <laughs> but yeah so they they tease that Zack snyder is just kind of like i don't think the snyder cut is going to be so i don't know if you know anything about the snyder cut basically Zack snyder started making justice league uh-huh. filmed a lot of the movie um he was let go off the project either so he had a family tragedy um so it's kind of debating whether or not watching his movies right (laughs) oh that's dark um so he had a family tragedy and he had to leave the movie um and then they brought in joss whedon who made uh, avengers one and two um to finish the movie and it significantly got worse somewhere in the middle um i see so they did a lot of reshoots with Joss Whedon to make it a different movie than what Zack Snyder anticipated, like, or was, like, making and all that stuff. So now people have been, like, saying, oh, Zack Snyder needs to, like, make the cut of his movie. Okay. And, like, like all that shit. So that's been going on, and now they finally announced that's going to happen. But they're doing, huh. like, reshoots and stuff for it. So it's not actually the original, like, Snyder cut. It's, like... But it's, like, him getting another shot at the movie? Finishing it, yeah. The way okay. he wanted to. Which, Whatever. It is yeah, what we'll it is. Yeah. If it's any better, then that's great. If it's not, whatever. Fuck it. Yeah. As long as DC makes their money back. Sure. Really, really <laughs> all that matters in this business. Yeah. Um, Comic-Con also showed the first two. They had a uh, first two minutes of New Mutants, which has been supposed to come out for the last three years. Um, it's been delayed, reshot, like the whole thing. It's just another Marvel property that was part of the X-Men universe with Fox, when Fox owned the X-Men properties. And it's the last, like, real Fox x-men type movie mm-hmm. that they own the rights to and now disney owns the rights to it so it's on the market again and they're gonna they're run with it basically they sh- yeah they're they're gonna they're, it was supposed to come out this summer um but obviously without like no movie theaters no movies right and i think they're trying to make as much money as they can off of it so they're not going to put it necessarily on a streaming service because then they lose money on it so mm-hmm. but they showed the first two minutes and it like I, the first two minutes were good like it was pretty enjoyable so hopefully hopefully it uh comes out 
in the fall and we can enjoy it and have this three year delayed movie Are finally you come out. To it? Is it a good story? <sighs> I think so. I think I am. I think it doesn't sound very encouraging. Well, I'm looking forward into it in the sense that I just want to see what the three year delay was all about Mm. because they had to reshoot. The director was like removed from the movie. And then when Disney got the rights, he got the job back to like finish his movie. So that's kind of, that's not the delay you want though. You want like the cyberpunk kind of delay. Right. I don't, I don't, but I also think it's different than like somebody leaving a project and then starting, like starting halfway through with a new director Mm -hmm. that has to do a bunch of reshoots and stuff. Then now he got to like take the reins back and like make the movie that he was going to make in the beginning. So I think that's, that's like a cool thing that he got to be able to do that again through Disney. Um, So I guess in that sense, I'm excited for it, but I also don't necessarily expect a lot from it. So that's where the kind of like, ah, eh, whatever, because I'm excited to see it because it's like a comic book movie and it'll be fun. Mm. Um, well, not fun because it's like a horror thriller kind of thing, but fun in the way that it's a new comic book movie. Yeah, I know what you mean. But yeah, and then another uh, trailer that was shown was Hellstrom, um, which is another Marvel property that's going to be on Hulu uh, starting in October, October 16th to be exact. Um, if you don't know who Hellstrom is from the comics... He is yeah, <laughs> he is uh, the son of the devil and um, or like Marvel's version of the devil, mm-hmm. um, which they've explained in uh, like the Marvel Cinematic Universe as like another dimension. So like it's not so much like heaven and hell. It's like um, in one of the episodes of Agents of Shield, which is another Marvel thing on ABC. Yep. Um, Ghost Rider describes hell as it could be multiple different places, um, and multiple different worlds, oh, multiple boy. different dimensions. So he's like, it's not just one place. Hell is perspective on where what it is. So that kind of opens the door for a lot of like crazy shit that's going to happen. Um, so Hellstrom is just one of those next properties that's going to explore that a little bit more, which will be cool. All right. But yeah, so I think that is it yeah, I think that for wraps news. It up. Yeah, wraps it up for the news. Yep. So Perry and I both watched a movie called Palm Springs, mm-hmm. which is on Hulu. And, well, what did you think about it, Perry? I really liked it. I, I thought it was I awesome. Yeah. Too. I'm I, typically not yeah. <laughs> a fan. I know I just asked you, but I'm typically not <laughs> a fan of romantic comedies. Yeah. But this one, this one was good. It made me laugh a lot. And I think it kind of broke the trope a little bit. Like, it kind of played around with it, but also, like, um, didn't necessarily follow the the framework to a T, you know? Yeah, but it's it also, very, like, it took itself not that seriously. Exactly. And it I think that was important. how ridiculous it was. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so we'll do, like, a non-spoiler, like, kind of discussion right now, and then we'll get into, like, the spoilers. Um, but overall, like, I, I, I think I'm going to give it, like, an 84, 83. I think an, I'll, uh, I'm going to solidify an 84 out of 100 for the movie. Why not just 85? I like 84. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is the last episode of the podcast. <laughs> Can't put up with that shit. Uh, so, do you review movies based on genre? So, are you stacking it up against every movie you've ever seen or every every romantic comedy? I stack it up as it is. Oh, <laughs> so I don't know what to make it up. Yeah, so if a movie is a rom a rom com, mm-hmm. romantic comedy for those of you who do not follow. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
if it's a rom-com, I take it as it is. And I grade it as it is. So it's a rom-com. It's supposed to be this. Mm-hmm. If it's good as a rom-com, then it gets a good grade. But right. if it's an action, like it say it's an action adventure movie and I don't stack it up against anything else except for how I feel about it as it is. Okay. So I don't necessarily compare movies in that sense. It's more just about like how it did as it is. I don't know how to like say it other than feel like, like when you're saying as it is, you're kind of going in with certain expectations based on what kind of movie you're going to see. Sure. Yeah, that has yeah. that has a bit to do with it. It's yeah, because if it's like uh, if you're walking into a movie where it's an action adventure movie, like I don't know, like uh, you wouldn't really be disappointed in it if it didn't have a crazy like, twist or like some crazy storyline because that's mm-hmm. not what it's for. Exactly. And to grade it as such would be stupid, right? Because that's just taking away from the fact that it's not. That's not what it's supposed to do. Like if you say like you go to watch like the first Transformers movies like we were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. story's not great, but you look at the CGI, the actions and like crazy mm-hmm. and it's just fun to watch right as they get that makes sense yeah like after like the second or third one they start to really deteriorate in terms of like just becoming nonsense but like the first one especially like is a good example of like saying okay it's like probably like i'd probably give it like a 75 or something because it's fine it's fun to watch the cgi is crazy cool so that's like fun to like experience and and it's got the nostalgia factor to it but like there's other movies that are dramas that were like okay mm-hmm. that are probably going to be around the same one even though they're probably a lot better movies in terms of like yeah i mean quality but better is hard to say across exactly genres too. exactly so right. i just that's why i try to take them as they are instead of trying to like compare them because obviously like <coughs> you look at like saving private ryan that's s- such a better movie <coughs> oh yeah across the board <laughs> than like but like you can't compare it to a marriage story because they're they're two totally different things like yeah, attached not, to each not other. They're trying to accomplish the same thing. Exactly yeah. right. They might have similar emotions that attach to them, like sadness sure. or empathy or like whatever it is. But all movies kind of do that in a similar way. But the mm-hmm. story is completely different. The action there's no action in a marriage story when they're like fifty percent or sixty percent of Saint Private Ryan is the incredible like war scenes. Yeah. So you take that into consideration too, how incredible like that was. So I I, I try to take it as it is. Cool. I have no more <laughs> questions about that. Yeah. Got it. Um, but yeah. So you're giving it an 84 instead yes. of an 85. Correct. And I'm gonna give it probably 80. 80. So 80. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we're we're kind of in the same boat where we like think it's like pretty good, like enjoyable, like in terms of the quality and I thought I thought yeah I thought it was really funny and um I think it and we'll talk about it more in spoilers like the way that they like kind of organize the movie a little bit mm-hmm. um but yeah like I thought Andy Samberg was really good in it I thought he was like goofy enough as Andy Samberg but also did a good job like actually acting because you see a lot like in his roles where he's just like the goofball and he's like dancing mm-hmm. around and being an idiot but in this one he was kind of doing that but like more in like a melancholy way you know yeah, he, he dipped into a bit more range than you usually see out yeah. of him, I would say. Yeah. So I, I think it's safe to say we're going into spoilers now. Yeah, yeah, we can yeah. get in. So right here you got spoiler alert for Palm Springs. So I was... Man, it's... 
when you find out what he had been doing, like his past of hooking up with this girl like mm-hmm. a thousand times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, how do you even process that as a person? Right. I mean, that was that's some heavy shit for this movie. Right. They reminded me a lot of the Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence movie where he was they're on a spaceship and uh, he wakes up early on this sure, trip yeah. and he realizes that he will like live out the rest of his days on the ship and die before they get to their destination. Right. So he wakes up somebody else. And they take that like way more seriously than this one did. Right. Uh, Palm Springs kind of like glossed over it. But still, I uh, I like that they put such a heavy element into it. Yeah. That, that was kind of like, oh, shit. Things just got real. Yeah. No, yeah. and like I think that was important too because um, I think it was – the way that they started it out too t- was, was cool um, because it didn't start out with like Andy Samberg and like waking up and going – oh my god, like, I'm stuck in a time loop. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, I think that was a lot better um, of a starting point, like, where he was kind of in the middle of it, and you're kind of getting uh, the other, like, Kristen uh, Milioto, Milioto, oh, Jesus Christ, Miliotti. <laughs> really bad with names. Um, Kristen Miliotti's character, Sarah, um, you get her perspective from it, Yes. Rather than his, like from the get go, mm-hmm. so it's really like her getting into something that he's already been doing for God knows how long, and uh, right, which is why that that reveal comes across so heavy because right. you only get it from Sarah's perspective. Right. Really, you get more of a backstory of uh, what the hell is his name? Uh, Niles. Niles. How could I forget a name like that? <laughs> you get. You get more of Niles' story, but you have no yeah. idea how long he's actually been there until, like, the big reveal. Right, right, right. And I think that is why I, I think they, they did a good job, like, changing, like, mixing it up a little bit in terms of, like, the mm-hmm. time loop movies. Because it doesn't feel like a Groundhog Day kind of thing, you know? It feels more like, holy shit, this would really freaking suck if you had to do this. Like, And then, um, like, if you were just doing this for, like, thousands of days, you were just living the same day. It's literally... Over purgatory yeah and uh and then when he talks about uh at the end like not wanting to leave mm-hmm. and i was like holy shit that's probably something that would like you would really feel like you wouldn't necessarily want to get out if you've been doing it for thousands of days because like you think about like a couple like if you do it for a thousand days mm-hmm. that's over three years or yeah. that's just about three years it would mm-hmm. probably be a little less than three years actually now i'm doing the math in my head um close enough yeah so it, just, it like so two and a half years, three years of just living the same day over and over again, like I feel like you wouldn't you wouldn't want to leave because you'd be so scared of like how do you pick up after that? Right. First of all, yeah. And also, he said something really interesting about forgetting what his life was beforehand. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like, whoa, is he forming new memories? Like, right, right. So he right. might as well be like three years older. Like, yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. That's that's pretty heavy. Yeah, a romantic comedy, right? And I—that's why I think I enjoyed this a little more than like the mm. the average romantic comedy because it brings in a little bit more depth to the actual story rather than just like, oh, we're in love, but we're only secretly in love, and oh, we shouldn't be in love. Gross. And then it has like the obligatory like mess up of the guy or the girl, mm-hmm. and then they make up in like mm-hmm. a. Oh, but really I still good, love you. Right, oh, right. Yeah, yeah, Whatever yeah. you did doesn't matter anymore because <laughs> you did this, like kind of thing, like. Right. And they kind of do that a little bit in this movie, but it 
comes across a little less cliche because they're not taking that part of it at, as like That's serious not... than like the actual like notion of what's going on as the like the time loop. Yeah, it's kind of like just off to the side. It's yeah. not the main right. idea. The main thing is I'm getting out of the loop. Right. And like you get a happy ending of like, oh, cool. They like each right, other. right, right, right. But it's not the the it climax of the movie is right. hinging upon them getting back together. Right. It's about getting out of the time loop, which I think is um, important mm-hmm. in trying to not re- necessarily like break the mold of a romantic comedy, but then to make it a little more interesting, which I think they did it really well. Yeah. But yeah, I also like the <laughs> the. Um, running gag of uh, J.K. Simmons' character Roy hunting <laughs> Andy Sa- Roy, yeah, <laughs> hunting, <laughs> hunting Andy Samberg's character because they did like a they did a whole night of just like drinking and doing coke and like <laughs> and just... it's just such a funny like part of the movie that they like walk over pretty quickly mm-hmm. and then it becomes like more important as the story goes on. But I thought that was that just cracked me up like yeah when like he, was, he got like, shot in the back with an arrow. Yeah. And he was like oh what the <laughs> fuck man. Roy, yeah. He's like, uh, I knew I smelt your Roy. Like, <laughs> I knew I smelt you. <laughs> oh, that heavy laugh is so hard. Yeah. That was another thing, too. Like, it actually made me laugh a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah, really glad that I watched this. Like, it was good. Yeah. And J.K. Simmons just, he comes out of nowhere with these small roles. And, like, it's just so, like, he's just perfect. <laughs> like, it's just funny. It just cracks mm-hmm. me up. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. So, I, I on it, like, I if you're, if you've got Hulu, I would definitely it's suggest fun. watching it. It's a good watch. And, um it's not your average rom-com so don't you necessarily go in expecting like oh ah mm-hmm. ah this is great it's a little it has a little more depth to it which i think makes yeah. it a little more interesting um but yeah so i think that's it's a kind of a shorter review but i think that kind of I, there's not there's that's not a lot yeah so yeah it is hour and a half long yeah i know i noticed that too and i was like huh i was like that's interesting you don't see like an hour 30 hour 40 mo- movies anymore not that often no which but, I think is cool. Um, I liked it. Yeah, I think it was cool because it no, there was no like wasted time. No. You know what I mean? Like everything moved like, and you got to the point quicker. Yeah, it didn't drag. Yeah, and there's no reason why these kind of movies shouldn't be only an hour and a half, an hour forty minutes. Because then you start stretching it to like two hours, and you're like, what the fuck? Right. You got a lot of wasted time, just like scenes that don't matter. Like it's just they they didn't do that in this, and it was awesome. Oh, there's also the scene of them, uh, like seeing dinosaurs. Remember that? Yeah, I don't know what that was about. Yeah, because then they kind of show it while they're, like, tripping. Yeah, they're on mushrooms. But right. Like, but then you see them at the end that they're yeah, still so. walking around, and you're like, huh. I think that was just, like, a... a I thought it was, like, like a feel-good... Right, way to end the like, movie. Might like, might as well throw the dinosaurs in. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't get the vibe that they were making... It wasn't, like, an Inception-type, like, oh, did the top stop spinning? Right, right, right. Um, yeah, I didn't get that vibe like, either, well, but at the same time, you never know, like director come out, could come out and say like oh this is what we wanted it to be Who's you know to say? yeah yeah but yeah so I, well, I really liked it i know you liked it so yep. definitely go watch it if you're uh if you're in the mood for a quick quick watch yep all right what's next we got uh so yeah so i came up i came up with this idea because i i I figured we don't talk about music a lot on the podcast, even though we're both big music guys. Which is funny because you're literally in a band. Yeah. <laughs> you think it would come up more often. Yeah. Um, I can see three guitars in your room right now. Yeah. <laughs> and those are just the ones that are showing. Uh-huh. Um, 
But uh, yeah, so I figured it'd be really cool because I know people have a lot of time right now, whether you're uh, just getting back into work or and working at home or if you're still out of work um, or if your work just is stuff that you don't talk to people and you can listen to music or podcasts or whatever. Um, so I came up, I thought it would be cool if we did like our top five, not necessarily top five, I'll say five albums that we like that we think other people should listen to. It doesn't necessarily yep. mean they're our five favorite albums of all time, but they could be. I mean, how could you even right. I feel like it's down to five? Yeah, and I think a lot of it has to do with mood and stuff, but I, I, I think the ones that we picked are a pretty good broad range of things that we could listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll let you start with your number one or your A, because you sure. did A, B, C, D, E instead of one, two, three, four, five. So. Well, look, i got to be a little <laughs> bit different than you, pay. Um I started off with Circles by Mac Miller. Because, man, I feel like everybody's just sad these days. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's having a good time. And Circles really captures that. It's very melancholic, uh, kind of like a desolate and just sad album. Really, uh, You're really selling this. Am I? <laughs> I don't know. I fucking loved it. Uh, really fit the mood of the time when mm. it came out. And I listened to it on repeat when I like first found it. And something that I go back to every now and then. Yeah. It doesn't really fit the mood for me right now, but I'm sure it will for a lot of people. So, yeah, yeah, if you just want to kind of get lost in your feelings, then (laughs) give Mac Miller's Circles a listen. Sure. I I mean, I never, I I haven't listened to a lot of Mac Miller, so I can definitely, like, how dare you? Yeah, I know. My job uh, right now, I just mow lawns for the summer. And, uh, so I spend a lot of my time it's just not really the vibe <laughs> to well, listen to circles. No, but like I can always just listen to new music. Like I, I there's always new like more stuff to listen to. So I think I could. Okay. I'll definitely have to listen to some. I feel of like heavy metal is what you should listen to when you're mowing along. <laughs> like you gotta be into it. You're just going like the soft like sing songy voice of Mac Miller like fading over your headphones, but then having like a lawnmower right next to it. I, mean, I don't <laughs> know if they really. Could. <laughs> Yeah, Mm -hmm. that droning, like, engine noise the entire time. Oh, it's the worst. Mm -hmm. That's, like, the worst part about moving. You're just, like, riding and just, like, going over bumps all the time. It doesn't really fit the vibe, you know? That's fair, yeah. (laughs) Listen to, like, some, like, Metallica. Just get... Like, and, yeah. yeah. Fuck this lawn! (laughs) Um, So, yeah. Okay, so Circles by Mac Miller is your, Mm -hmm. uh, your first first album yep. um my first album is called little neon limelight by Houndmouth. i have not heard any of those words before it's <laughs> <laughs> totally new to me um yeah so this band Houndmouth, i i started listening to them probably just about a year and a half ago maybe two years ago mm-hmm. um i i i came up on their song like i was listening to like an alternate rock like whatever uh station mm-hmm. on apple music or spotify whatever it was and one of their songs came on i was like oh this is really cool it's like a modern like song but it sounds like it's from like the 80s or the 70s and it's like that like rock like blues kind of song and i was like oh shit so i started listening to their whole album and uh it's it's so cool it's such a cool album because it's got a lot of like the alternate rock that you think of now um where it's got like like the wavy like oh like i'm floating in sky like kind of feel to it but then it hits you with like a straight up blues like rock song Mm. that sounds like it was recorded in a garage and it's like it's cool because it it switches uh genres so much that it goes from sounding like a modern alternate rock song to like in a 70s blues or a 60s blues song um 
and then it's got everything in between with like some acoustic tunes where it's just like very like emotionally like like you listen to it and you're just like in invested in the song um and then it's got like your upbeat like fun tunes um they're just a really talented band they've got three singers like two guys and a girl that sing like back and forth on all the songs kind of thing um really cool musicianship like the songs are interesting to listen to so i i I would say if you're looking for something that you haven't heard before um in relative sense go listen to Houndmouth because they're not this crazy big band they're relatively underground um but they have a great sound they're really talented what a fantastic review oh yeah god (laughs) damn bro uh it is really really cool to hear a band with a lot of variety yeah uh, within within one album oh yeah you don't really get that very often yeah uh i will throw out a little bonus album if you're looking for something like kind of out there and also very having a lot of variety Mm -hmm. uh west of eden by hmltd okay is i don't dude i don't even know how to describe it but (laughs) if you want something just totally new yeah and you're just like that fuck it just just going for it yeah then then check that one out sweet yeah that's not on my list so i want to talk about it too much more but (laughs) the next one on my list is to Pimp a Butterfly by Kendrick Lamar. Now, I don't even know where to start with this album. It's so goddamn big and dense, and it's very relevant to the times right now with all of the civil rights movements going on at mm-hmm. the moment. Uh, Circles is something that you can listen to. It like creates a pretty big like atmosphere and mm-hmm. like a vibe, like a mood to it, but yeah. to Pimp a Butterfly is like a book. Is a novel that needs to be like read, and there's a lot of depth to it. It goes through Kendrick's how he deals with fame after Good Kid, Mad City, which was his first debut album after Section 80, and the way that fame launches him into this new world, how he starts abusing his power, Mm. how that tears him down, and he expresses it in different ways in different like relationships and Mm. he ends up coming around and he like finds god again on a trip to south africa Mm. and then he comes back like preaching uh all these like feel-good motives for himself and the black community and every every lyric has like more than one meaning to it and there are so many recurring themes like going along through it and then at the end of it all of it relates to tupac shakur so there's like just like so many different levels. This thing is incredibly dense and probably wow. the most impressive work of art that I've ever listened to. Damn. Um, yeah, y'all go that far and say you're, t- you're talking about quality reviews. That was it. <laughs> yeah. That was a quality. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you like this podcast, uh, <laughs> there's another one called Dissect, and this guy just goes through every like line by line, beat mm-hmm. by beat, Damn. for. Uh, to Pimp a Butterfly and a bunch of other albums yeah. and just breaks it all the way down Damn. and it's crazy impressive so yeah I'll have to listen to that because that would be like I love doing that shit and listening to people talk about that so oh yeah cool, you yeah. would love that podcast yeah. <laughs> nice can't recommend it enough um, so for my number two uh, I got Songs About Jane by Maroon 5 oh classic oh fucking crazy good album it's so and the, when you're talking about different like different genres and like the same album this is another good example of that um this was before they kind of got poppy mm-hmm. um so this is like their like first big album and it's just got so like every song is just good like every song is just so much 
like it's it's just a lot of fun to listen to. I I can't get enough of this album. Um, it was the first album I ever bought for myself. Um, really? I was like yeah, when I was like seven, eight years old, maybe Whoa. nine, maybe nine. But it, me and my older sister went to uh, what was it? It might have been Fye. <laughs> was what it was at the time um and like in one of the malls and uh i was really young and there's like a cartoon like it's the lady naked lady on the album cover so <laughs> i know risque um <laughs> but my sister had to like call my mom and ask her if i could buy it and all that stuff but it ended up being like a great thing because i i like i, st- I think i still have the uh, like the cd case and the cd somewhere around my room and uh I listened to it and I was like, Oh my God, this is just so cool. Like the, I, I listened to the album like probably a hundred times over. Like it would just play in my little, like, uh, I had like a, um, CD player that was an alarm clock and all that stuff. <laughs> so that's what I would listen. That's what I would put my CDs in. And that's when I was right. like, I got a, like the Beatles white album. I did that with too. Um, just played it over and over and over again. Learned every single song, like wow. forwards and back. Like, it's just one of those albums that's just every song I just love listening to it, and uh, like it's this it's got harder to breathe. This love she will be loved. Sunday morning, um, like and those are just like the hits that came off of it. There's still like shiver, the sun must get out through with you, like not coming home. Like it's just got like if you listen to this album, it, it doesn't sound like what you think of Maroon Five now because it's jazzy. It's got like right, interesting, it's much like, more toned down than their current music is right now. Right, like, yeah. Like, you not wouldn't like, think not like that payphone. it was made for radio. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like payphone. It's like... <laughs> no. No, or like <laughs> memories. Right, yeah. It's but much it's, more creative in the way that they played it, I think. It's interesting that you first listened to uh, songs about Jane, because one of my first albums that I bought was Overexposed. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Which I think they were much more poppy by that right. point, yeah. too, but... Interesting that we both had a Maroon 5 album. Yeah, look at that. <laughs> yeah. huh. Good stuff. Yeah. Uh, oh, so I guess I'm up next. Yeah. We're, so, the, only, we're the only two people here, so... Yeah. All right, that's... <laughs> settle down. <laughs> My next one is How to Be a Human Being by Glass Animals. Glass Animals has been a favorite of mine because they just... I listen to music that matches my mood a mm. lot, and I'm usually pretty, like, chilled out, so... Yeah. You know, Circles, uh, Channel Orange is another one, and How to Be a Human Being. Like, they're all very mellow, and I would say that Glass Animals is, like, psychedelic pop, I guess. Mm. They're they're hard to pin down exactly. They have a a lot of noises, I guess. (laughs) Um, Their first album was really cool because they made the, the sound before the lyrics. Mm. And in this one, they they actually switched it back. So they made the lyrics first and then designed the sound around them. Around them. And it's just really chill. Just yeah. really fun to listen to. Very mellow, like calming music. And, you know, especially during coronavirus, it's, yeah. it's always good to kind of, you know, bring, bring things back to, yeah, down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Uh, just good music, man. Nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. I'll have to listen to that one, too. Definitely. Um, so for my number three... I have Access Bold as Love by the Jimi Hendrix Jimmy oh la, 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 Jimi Hendrix Experience. Um, this is I, I I think it's arguably his best album. Um, it's just it's it's an awesome rock album. 
Like it's cre- it's right in the like towards the end of the sixties. It came out in sixty seven, so it's right at the end of the sixties, um, where you start to see the psychedelic effect of the last couple of years prior to that, um, leading up to like sixty nine when they had the Woodstock and all that stuff. So you get you get a lot of like that. You start to see that transition a little bit more. Um, but then you have like great songs like Wait Till Tomorrow, uh, Little Wing, If Six Was Nine, um, Castles Made of Sand, uh, and then obviously Bold as Love, where y- you you get a little different side of Jimi Hendrix than like like the what you hear at like Woodstock where he's doing the uh, like the national anthem on the guitar and it's like all these like effects and he's like distorting it and all this shit. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely like in. Uh, if you if you want a great uh discussion about just even one of those songs uh bold as love alex did a really cool um like blog post about it on uh perrysrant.com um if you want to look at that because he that that's just a great great song Mm. and a lot of people just like when they think of Jimi hendrix um they think of like the few songs where he's like hitting the guitar it's really harsh and stuff like that but these there's a lot of songs in this album that are like gentler. Yeah, you've been you looking to, at me like I know what you're talking about. Right. This whole time. <laughs> I have no idea. But you get a little the gentler side of Jimmy a little bit with like, mm. um, especially with like Little Wing and Bold as Love. It's it's not as so in your face. It's a it's a little more tamed, but that's, it's beautiful in that like sense. Yeah, that's really uh, a good point. Yeah, because uh, I know personally, I know like all on the Watchtower. Yeah, that's probably like one of the only songs I can name. I know I've heard more of them, but right. uh, in terms of like the softer side of Jimi Hendrix, like yeah, you're right. I, I personally have no idea, so I'll have to get a, a listen to. Yep. Uh, on that note, my fourth album is Channel Orange by Frank Ocean. Man, I must have listened to this album so many times <laughs> when it came out. It was one of the first albums that I ever listened to, really. Yeah. I didn't get into music until much later than you. <laughs> and yeah, Frank Ocean it probably set the tone for me liking albums like circles and how to be a human being because it is just so smooth and Mm. soft and like gentle yet emotional at the same time. And it's just this man, like it's soulful. That's what it is. It's this man just singing his heart out and you just get like a pretty big range of stuff Mm -hmm. out of Frank Ocean on that album. Yeah. And you know, it's weird that like the album cover says Channel Orange, and I just like pictured like this orange kind of yeah. Well, I remember yeah. Well, and I remember like um like the album cover, and mm-hmm. I remember how big it was like when it came out, um, and I just remember seeing that, and like I like I said, I wasn't into like the modern music as much mm-hmm. like back when it came out, so I was like blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like modern artist, blah, 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 blah. you know, I was yeah. like that kid, but I I hate that I did that. Because, like, you'll name all these albums, and, like, some of the albums that you've told me to listen to, I'll go back and listen, I'm like, what the fuck was I doing not listening to these, <laughs> like, when they came out, like, ten years ago? I'm like, what mm. the fuck is wrong with me? Uh, so, yeah, I gotta I gotta go back and listen to these ones. Ugh. Yeah, dude, I have good taste. Yeah, you do. Yeah, no, <laughs> listen I know. Listen to me, goddammit. I know. Well, and, like, I, there's nothing that you've ever told me that I didn't like. Like You, you know hear that? I, you hear that, people? <laughs> nothing that I recommended that Perry didn't like. Yeah. Yet. Right. I mean, I hope. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't know. We'll say yet. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Uh, well, yeah. To be fair, I have to listen to a lot of your stuff. 
it's very difficult for me to go back and listen even to like the Beatles at this point <laughs> that's so different from everything that I listen to right now it is now. yeah I almost feel like you had to grow up with it no that's a bold claim I take that back I'm sorry I'm sorry <laughs> you definitely didn't have to grow up with the Beatles because none of us were alive in the 60s but um yeah so talking about like 60s and 70s bands and stuff like the older bands I my number four is Band on the Run by Paul McCartney and the Wings um, a lot of people know the song like Band on the Run, but this song or this album has got like every every song on it is just it's 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 interesting to listen to because it came out um, right like only a year I think after the Beatles broke up, um, or a couple of years after the Beatles broke up. But what's interesting is that some of these songs were. Paul McCartney had already like pretty much written them but just never recorded them so he, he had all of these some of these written prior to the Beatles breaking up so you look at songs like Band on the Run and you're like oh that might have been a Beatles song like if they lasted three more years mm, okay. that might have been a Beatles song so it's interesting to like think about it in that way too gotcha. um, but besides Band on the Run you've got Jet, Bluebird, um, Let Me Roll It, Mrs. Vanderbilt um, 1985 is one of my favorite songs of all time um, really, really cool songs. Um, and I think if you're a fan of like classic rock and you haven't listened to that full album and just listened to like Band on the Run and Jet, um, you gotta dive into it because it's just it's it's got enough of like the '60s vibe mixed in with the '70s rock and roll that comes after it. Because the '70s is definitely a lot different than the '60s in a lot of ways. Um, where the '70s feel like it takes the psychedelic things that happened in the '60s and refines them and cleans them up and makes them interesting because that's where you have like Pink Floyd taking over the 70s with their like psychedelic rock you have like Pink Flo- uh, like Dark Side of the Moon The Wall Animals like they're they're, they're they took over that vibe and really um, honed in on it and I think that has a lot to do with the way they played in the 60s is a lot different than they played in the 70s and you see that kind of uh, bleed over into like bands that didn't necessarily play that kind of music like with um, Paul McCartney and the Wings, like they didn't play like the quote unquote stoner music, mm-hmm. but you still have like touches of it in the songs, wow. like that psychedelic vibe. So it's cool to listen to that and like be like, oh, this is interesting because they're still experimenting, but it feels a little more uh, refined and cleaned than just like putting noises together and be like, we're being creative. Mm-hmm. It's more like these noises make sense with the vibe of what we're trying to accomplish. Yeah, like it's, you can just see like the evolution of it right? as it goes on. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I feel like I just learned a lot right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anything else about the evolution of rock? <laughs> no? All right, so my last album is Random Access Memories by Daft Punk. This is the only album that I listen to in this entire genre, really. I like a couple of Deadmau5 songs, but Random Access Memory is just, like, hits different for some reason. <laughs> it's, again, just, like, a very atmospheric album. There aren't really lyrics to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are, but they're not really that in-depth at all. Sure. And it's just really, really well done. Just another chill album to just to listen to, like, around the house, mm-hmm. I would say. Um, late at night, driving around, whatever you, you know, whatever you people do. Uh give this a listen especially if you don't really listen to electronic music because i don't either this is still a really good album yeah nice Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I, I don't listen to a lot of like the like electronic like. No, music. you don't seem like the type. Nah. So, but like if, but like albums like that where you're saying it's just chill and it's like an interesting, then I'll like dive into it. It's and I'll, if I you're can thinking, appreciate it, yeah, yeah. If you're thinking that it's a lot like Skrillex, it is not. <laughs> it is not at all. It's not that's dubstep. Exactly, that's exactly the image that I had in my head. No, 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 no. <laughs> Definitely not. It's way more chilled out way than more that. Chilled out. Perfect. A lot, a lot slower. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, so for my last album, I picked uh, "Back to Black" by Amy Winehouse. Mm. Um, this was like her. This was her second like studio album. Um, and it was actually her final one before she died. Um, and, uh, so it, it, it's interesting in that aspect alone, but all the songs on, it's just like, it, it, like it is with all these artists that die young, you always look at their last album and you're like, oh my God, it was so good. And you just think of like what they could have like accomplished further. for Mac Miller. Right. Yep. Yep. Um, and she's one of those that is part of like the 27 club of like the famous artists and actors and stuff that died at 27, which is weird that it's like a trend, but I'd also don't, this is a, this is another, this is just a sidebar on that. Sure. I want to, I kind of have to look up how many people have died at 26 and 28. <laughs> Cause I kind of, I'm kind of interested to see if there's actually an anomaly with 27 or if it's just because the people that died at 27 were famous certain times because there's not there's a lot of people but there's not actually that many compared to obviously the number of people that are famous so i want to know if like it's more normal to die at a different age like if there's like a 67 club like is it actually statistically anomalous yeah or is it just like we paid attention to a couple of people that died at 27 right yeah i don't know but i also don't know if the fact that because they were famous they were 27 when they died is the reason that it's popular to like say that they died at 27 yeah but it also 27 is weird now but either way <laughs> either way that's a whole different discussion but sure. um the whole album is just crazy good it starts out with rehab um which like i'm pretty sure if you were alive at that time mm-hmm. you know like trying to make me go to rehab and i'll say it no. like everybody knows it like it's just catchy as hell Sing it there. yeah um and then every song after it is just so good like it's just it just keeps getting better and better and better and uh like back to black is just awesome song me and mr jones is great um wake up alone uh and and then it ends with addicted and that's just it's 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 a great it's great and it's like sad at the same time because you like like you know she dies and you're listening to it and you're like oh shit like this just like it just it makes it that more like emotionally investing and uh it really like makes every word she says like like that more like real because like when she talks about like going to rehab you know she dies of like a drug overdose yeah and you're like shit it's so sad to see it coming right and you can you can say the same thing about mac miller's album you know like a lot of it was just about him being depressed like i'm so tired of being so tired and like why has it got to be so complicated yeah and you know that he was writing that and then he also died of a drug overdose it's like fuck just yeah like, they just didn't get help in time yeah and if they sad. and it's like, yeah and you like look at it and you're um but yeah it's just it's just sad to like know these things um and like listen to it and be like damn like mm-hmm. you just kind of wish 
they have way they more got weight. the help yeah yeah but right yeah I think that wraps it up for yeah. for today's episode yeah well so uh just uh, another plug a little bit don't forget to you can subscribe make sure you subscribe to the podcast helps us out uh if you like what you're hearing give it five stars it's really easy you can write a review quick just say whatever you feel mm-hmm. about us it can be stupid it can be great whatever it is um that just helps us out a little bit gets us progressing a little bit with it um you can also go onto youtube and i have the gaming channel where i'm doing games every couple of weeks um that's perry's rant on youtube mm-hmm. um then other than that we're just gonna try to keep putting these out also like, feel free to send all of your critiques to perry's instagram just slide in those dms <laughs> Tell them everything, yeah. <laughs> everything you want to hear. Um, you can also, uh, you can either, if you want to do suggestions, you can email us at uh, perrysrant at gmail.com, where mm-hmm. uh, we will put into consideration any ideas. <laughs> um, you can also um, find me on Twitter, Perry's Rant, um, where you can tweet at us if you want. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so thank you guys for watching. Don't forget to like and subscribe like and subscribe <laughs> <laughs> thumbs up but for real yeah but actually we're trying <laughs> to make money <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so thank you guys for watching uh i'm perry i'm zach and we'll see you next time bye